Hey, how's it going? This is Skinner, your favorite artist of all time. Broadcasting lives in the bizarre world that you don't understand about any of this stuff. Don't worry about it. But listen, 11 O'Clock Comics podcast is the best. You got to get into them because they're going to tell you about comics. And they're going to tell you, and and don't buy any chromium covers because it's uh, it's a lie. It's a lie. Don't believe Rob Liefeld. He don't he don't know what he's talking about. All right, peace. Have a good Good enough to eat. I don't know what your deal is. You've been hitting that mark every time. Is the season. Is that? He's a seasoned professional now. Oh boy. I see what you did yeah. Seasoned. It was a pun. Mm. Yeah. My local uh, place, speaking of season, my local place is now on the shit list because they can't seem to make tofu right. They either un- undercook it or overcook it. I'm done. I'm done. Oof. Yeah. It's just, you know. How hard can it be? He asked. Leading them to the door, opening the door and saying, welcome to 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 828. Click, click. I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed, you. Oh, relax, Vince. (laughs) Vince is all like, you didn't hit your mark. You never hit your mark. It's like you're fucking Stevie Wonder. (laughs) He never hits Stevie Wonder. Wonder. Oh boy. Okay. I'm Roy Orbison. Oh, nice. Why you? (laughs) Why? Pray tell. You named a a blind singer, so I forgot to go with another one. Well, Roy wasn't totally blind. Oh my god, bruh. He's blind enough. Yeah. Okay. Blind. Yeah. There's blind, and then there's there's blind enough. I I see all the blind musicians ostracizing the blind enough ones. Man, you ain't blind. Shut up, Ray. He's a pretender. You are not. <laughs> you are not Roy Orbison. You're Jason Wood, everybody. This is an average episode, and we'll all be the better for an it. Average episode? What? Yeah, we have no agenda. How dare you? No, we got no agenda this time. Well, we have to thank Matthew Allison for doing it up big and strong last episode. But there are a number of people to which we have. Uh, to give thanks. And the first is our brother Ray for getting us that beautiful Skinner intro that you heard a couple of minutes ago. And uh, thank you, Ray. His heart is so big, that that dude. I love him. Mm-hmm. And also, we have to genuflect in front of the patrons as we do every episode because they are the ones that make this happen. They uh, give to us and we in turn give back to them in a multitude of ways, images, audios, downloads, uh, polls, the chance to weigh in on the book of the month, and best of all, the dedicated Slack channel where we congregate each and every day to uh, chew the fat on all topics, various and sundry. So if you want to check out the Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. That's one, one, no apostrophe. We would love to have you in the family. Hell yeah. It's true. I don't lie. Never. Never lie. I don't. Never. That's one thing I'm incapable of doing. Because the and truth is the spe- truth. A speaking a. of our of our Patreon family, our Slack family, we got to give a huge shout out hmm. to Mr. Scott Anderson. Nice. Scott has been a supporter of the show forever. 
and he's a talented artist in his own right, and he, by his own words, had a career achievement this month because he was picked to illustrate the cover of the latest issue of Mad Magazine. Yeah, that's a that's a Damn. big old feather in your cap. Yeah, issue number 29, February 2023 cover date, for those wondering. It is uh, Alfred E. Newman uh, pounding a can of uh, Mad, looks like Campbell's, but Mad Soup, with the cover says, Soup 2 T.O.O. Nuts, What Me Puree. Nice. Well done, Mr. Anderson. It's pretty awesome, right? Yes. Who can say that? No, nah, I was going to say, like, that's crazy. I was on the cover of Mad. Like, well, there's a very small group of people, which is yeah. awesome. Good for you. Absolutely. Congrats to you, sir. I'll toast to Mr. Anderson with my cherry limeade. Oh, you're going out on a limb tonight. Yep. I see the holiday spirit is upon you. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, because I'm not a heathen... And I love, I love the Christmas. You very much love are it. a heathen, but whatever. Love, love, love the Christmas. Tis the season. We got, we got the music cranking all day, every day. The trees resplendent in its glory. Put the, with, put the lighted, the lit reindeer out this evening after work. Things are good. Do you have one and, that's uh, eaten? Everybody around here eats. No, the be, reindeer. The, like, do you have one that's bending down to eat? Of and the course, other, that's you gotta have one. That, gotta that's have eating. one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everyone's a fan of him except for Ash. He's not a fan, but uh, he'll get over it. Uh, so I am. I am. I'm celebrating. I am drinking some uh, Guarda Rios Tinto, which is a Portuguese red blend. Uh, it's it's very very good. Very very good, Vince. <laughs> and, and and affordable. Nice. Just how I like it. Yes. Yep. Yes. Good. It's like affordable. less than twenty dollars a bottle. Yeah, it's it's strike zone. It's a perf. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, like you said, tis the season. So um, I am going to try to have a different holiday beverage, courtesy of the Bartesian. Every uh, episode before Christmas uh, tonight is festive rum punch and it's in a low ball with a nice big cube don't really taste the rum as much as um the holiday spices there's there's definitely uh a little bad it doesn't smell like a christmas tree shop when 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 you take a whiff but it it's close it it's not and it's not super overpowering it's uh it it's it's almost dangerous it's um I went with the regular instead of the strong amount, and and uh, it's pretty good. Love it, Dap. And you know, for those that want to join the Patreon, every day of the month of December, I give you all a little patron EOC advent calendar. And on uh, the third day of the calendar, you were all given gifted by me three christmas cocktail recipes how about that that? i have a bone to pick with you on one of your lists oh boy okay uh actually two bones but one is just okay one is just slight like the wolverine one you didn't have john basima's cover for wolverine number one on there like 
How did you not put that on there? Uh, I mean, I know it's your list and it's your yeah yeah, but I'm just saying that Sylvester cover is nice and it does have a nautical theme. See, you're easily swayed with the water. For sure, but if you put that Basima next to the Sylvester, I'm thinking maybe you would have changed your mind. Just saying. This is a fair question because, as you know, I love Wolverine. Yes. As you know, I love Big John. True. My, my favorite, my favorite old school classic uh, Marvel artist. Uh, rest in peace. So it is a fair question because you would think that's like chocolate and peanut butter. But uh, the reason I didn't put that on the list and what uh, Vince is referring to, folks, is another day of the calendar. I gave actually it was yesterday. I gave my favorite Wolverine covers. Uh, a list of them, and Wolverine number one was not on there for the. This would be the the, the number one of the ongoing, the first ongoing series. Um, it's not on there, Vince, because that is not the version of Wolverine I like the most. Um, that is a mask. The cover is him in a tattered black suit with basically shirtless and maskless. He's not wearing a costume, and that 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 is not the kind of Wolverine that uh, that that's never going to be my favorite. Uh, look. Interesting. So, yeah. so just hear me out. See, this is why I love that cover. Because, mm-hmm. as you know, Big John did not have um, an affinity for the for the, the superheroes. Correct. He did them better than almost anyone, yes. but he was not in love with the genre. What John right. did love was the sword and sorcery and the gritty uh, street-level stuff. And that sure. is what encapsulates that cover it's like john basima doing a superhero the way he wanted to do it and i'm that's just that cover is so special to me well maybe next year you'll do a advent list for patrons and you can include it on your list okay you never know the the holiday season does bring out something in me I don't know there what you it go. is, but it, but yeah. Oh, so and you two bones to pick. Yeah, here's here's bone. Uh, okay. Do uh, this was the 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 major one. The Wolverine was was you know superficial. A nip. Yeah. yeah. Um, top five favorite Junji Ito works. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't have Black Paradox on there. Like, does not compute. Uh, okay. Again, for listeners that don't know what we're talking about. Black Paradox is the most recently released of the English translations of Junji Ito's work from Viz. Um, I don't have it on my list because it's not one of my five favorites. Oh, no. Why? What what about it didn't elevate it to favorite status? Can we... (laughs) You're hilarious. The The post that Vince is referencing, I specifically say... That Ito is an all timer, and I don't think he's ever, at least to date in English, done something that wasn't great. Okay. So if it's my five favorite, the other, what, seven that he's come out with, or that this is published, or eight, are also all great and worthy of people's time. It's just that as I went through the list of everything, it didn't quite make the list. Hmm. And if you're, I mean, we could talk about this book since we both read it and it's relatively new. For me, probably the reason it doesn't resonate with me as much as the ones that were on my list is because uh, I generally don't like books sur- uh, about suicide. It is a subject hmm. that I find difficult to reconcile uh, how I feel about it. So 
I generally that is going to be like saltpeter to me. I understand. I think and and not to jump in or absolutely speak for Jason. I know for me some of it is is um, when it comes to list there are things where um i try to avoid like the recency bias i want some distance between something that just which is why it's hard for you know you just watch the latest like where's wakanda forever going to fit on your mcu list and it's like dude can i give it a minute to breathe because sure right now as i leave the theater it could be my top two but you know i also have to look at it objectively so there's so considering black paradise paradox just came out Mm -hmm. um I wasn't sure if maybe that, without knowing what the subject matter sure. is, I haven't. Well, I, I listen, haven't I mean, in the post, I say, having just read Black Paradox, and the Vince and I would probably discuss it, I was insp- that reading that inspired me to make the list. And for for those that aren't patrons and you're curious, I will be kind, even though you should join the Patreon to read the stuff. Uh, number five was, was Gio, which uh, really set it off for I mean, Vince kind of put us on that, and that really... That was the this that was the, uh, the the Vince lit the match that sparks my love for you. Uh, then Uzumaki was number four, which we did a book of the month on uh, some time ago. Uh, then Ramina was number three. Uh, Shiver, which is the only of the uh, short story anthology style collections that made my list, is number two. And my number one is Censor, which we discussed when it came out, uh, what, maybe two years ago? Yeah, I would have to put Censor in my top five as well. My man, see? Yeah. Um, the thing about Black Paradox, I think it's it's the odd duck in the, the Ito Ovoir. It's, it, I mean, for as strange and bizarre as the as, and eccentric as the man's uh storytelling can be i think this one is even far stranger and far more odd than than his his typical works because it's i i would it is horror yes but it's it's um there there's elements of sci-fi in it there's a little bit of a mystery angle to it you got that mm-hmm. wonderful japanese propensity for body horror uh, is, is a um, a major component of it, but the the thing at the core of Black Paradox is hopelessness. The thing is pervaded by a blanket of just hopelessness, uh, and I know that's the Lovecraftian angle, and and um, Ito frequently dabbles in that, oh, but, for sure. but not from the get go. I mean, from page one you you can tell nobody's getting out of this at least not in the same state they were mm-hmm. when they came in mm-hmm. and i just think I, I love the concept of it that um well for those who haven't read it I, I i guess i shouldn't say because i think it's a big component of it um but the the suicide angle leads four desperate people into a situation where the secrets of existence are revealed and um, humanity, being what, what they are, um, seeks to capitalize on these secrets. And it doesn't end well uh, for anybody, basically. I don't want to yeah. give. I don't want to give away the, the the finer points of it because it's a it, it's one of those works that just keeps descending into mm-hmm. this black pit. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, one thing is clear to me: Ito is. I mean, we we can be hyper we can be hyperbolic uh, and get caught up in the moment of things that we're into it in the second that we're discussing them. But 
But in having read this and then going back and making that list, it, it is astounding to me how incredible everything he's done is. And and again, I'm what I don't know, maybe you have a better perspective on this. I just don't know if we're just getting the best, but even if we are, it's still ridiculous because we're well past uh, uh, fast approaching, if not at a dozen of these. So, um, I mean, even if they aren't, even if they are somewhat cherry picked, I, I mean, we've had lots and lots of exposure to, um, non English comics, whether they be European or, 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 or Japanese primarily, but brought over here and translated and it's not uncommon for one or two th- volumes of someone's work to be brought over, it being their best stuff, it, it, the translations being awesome and everyone loving them, and then the publishers capitalize by bringing more of the stuff over, and next thing you know you're reading it, it's like diminishing marginal returns, right? You're like, oh, and then you realize, well, they gave us their, their, uh, you know, th- their magnum opus already, and now they're bringing more stuff over, and it's not as good. With Edo, man, it's just everyone's a banger, so it's yeah. like... I. I don't know if the guy's ever done a bad book, but uh, so far we haven't we haven't been exposed to any of them. Extremely versatile, and yeah, um, yeah. there's no if you have expectations for the next Junji Ito book, chances are very very good that he will crush them uh, upon delivery. Uh, if you think he's going to go in a in a in a body horror angle, he'll surprise you by doing a book about you know, for people who desperately want to commit suicide. Like it's, it's, or, or a science fiction based story or, or he'll dabble in uh, religious beliefs and, 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 you know, mythology. It's just, I, you can never pin the guy down and the, each one is novel. Like he'll take, as they say, there's nothing new under the sun. He'll take a, a trope that has been bandied about by other creative people and he'll just put that junji ito novel spin on it where it becomes something seemingly new and i just i marvel at the guy's works and i know every time a uh, an ito book comes out i'll say oh this one's the best one yet just because he's phenomenal it's just i i think he is a complete package he his his storytelling ability is on an even keel with his drawing ability i think the guy is a master uh, in terms of the visual storytelling and his concepts are, are amazing and he, he plays them out really well I love the dude and he draws women like crazy amazing women <laughs> yeah yeah. so if you haven't read Black Paradox get on it we're not going to spoil it because as we said it just came out it's still fresh it's a little wet behind the ears and uh, read it because it's wonderful and you probably will be hearing about it on another episode real soon. Just saying. Absolutely. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yep. There's a bit of a superhero edge to it, too. Slight, but it's there. I, yeah, I could see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. A little bit of a Invisibles type angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it, it since since you brought up Black Paradox, I have to say it is a rare thing for me to have not one but two manga on my list in the same week. So, and I don't need to spend a lot of time on this, um, but I did want to mention that I read uh, Boat Life by Suge Tadao. Um and are you familiar with this, Vince? No. Okay, um, so this is 
a um, uh, a book. Essentially, it's it is essentially a slice of life book. It's I should say it's published by Floating World Comics. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, it 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 is basically um, it's semi autobiographical. Um, Suge Tadao is is uh, Ryan Holmberg has been bringing over a bunch of manga um, that is a little bit more off the beaten track the last bunch of years um, through Floating World, and I've read a few of them. Um, and uh, Su- Suge is an interesting cat because he was making manga for um decades but never save for like i shouldn't say never but save for like a few years of his life he was never never able to make it his full-time career because his stuff just didn't sell well enough he was basically an alternative comic you know he was like alt comics in japan and so just he, he never could quite capture the commercial zeitgeist that uh that many of his peers did. So um, it's kind of neat to see uh, Holmberg really celebrate the man's work and, and bring it over here. Um, and, you know, there's uh, like, it, we've, we've gotten a few others. Like, I think, I don't know if I talked about, it, but I know I read a few years ago, Slum Wolf, yep. which is, an, yeah, that's another Tetsuke Tadao work. Um, and then when I haven't read, but I want to track down, because uh, it was published by Drawn and Quarterly back in 2015, and it just probably wasn't anywhere close to my radar back then. But that is a trash market, which is another of his works. Um, but basically, a lot of his stuff was serialized in um, a number of um, of uh, Tankuban. Is that what they call them? Vince? No. What do they call like the like the ongoings? Like like, like shown in like what do they call the? Is there a name for them? Like the you know, the ongoing, like, anthology style? Yeah, um, shit, uh, I, uh, weeklies, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know, right. I, 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 I probably, I don't, I don't, if there's a, but it, one of those, and it was called uh, Garo, G-A-R-O, and this was published from 1968 to 1972, and it, it was, again, it was like an alt manga, it had, it had manga that was a little bit, maybe a lot of it left of center, it didn't appeal commercially in the way that, uh, a lot of the stuff that's kind of stood the test of time did. Um, so, so, you know, so it kind of got lost. It kind of got lost in the ether when Garo went out of business. But anyway, um, this book, A Boat Life, is uh, is the collection of stories from, from Garo about, they um, said it was semi-autobiographical because the, the, the character in the book is, um, is also named Suge, but he, he's, and he's a novelist. Uh, and he's had some success, but but he's not successful enough to um, to be a full time novelist. Sound familiar? Uh, and his family runs a small business, um, uh, a, a, a denim shop, like a shop that sells jeans and, and the like. And um, and really, he all all he wants to do is retire and fish. That's like all he wants to do, but but they don't really have the money to do that. But his wife and his kids are very supportive of him and 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 give him. Um, you know, long leash, and we. It starts where where he um he he is basically he comes across an opportunity to buy a small boat, and it's like a little piece of shit, little fishing boat. Um, but for him, it's perfection, and he buys it, and he starts fixing it up, and he just and it, this it's basically a a volume of manga about him spending time on this boat and trying to figure out how to spend more time on the boat and 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 
trying to you know jury rig it to look better or to be to be more suitable and he has some some adventures and every now and then it veers into the strange like at one point he comes across a ghost who's who's an old fisherman and and they have hang out for a while but like generally speaking it's just slice of life and uh it's not i wouldn't say it's sad because he he's a pretty upbeat dude even though his life isn't exactly how he wants it and you know like i said his family's pretty supportive of him even though he's a bit of a flake so it was one of those things where I read it and it was it was well executed and 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 it's there's not a lot there really like in the sense that it just sort of is this guy wants to fish like that's really that's that's it like he wants to fish and he just tries to find time to fish um so it is it is interesting it's not something like I'm going to run it and say you got to read this like it's not going to leave a, a mark and and have an impact 10 years from now I'm probably not going to remember it vividly but but i enjoyed it and and i thought it was well done and i i think i enjoyed it more honestly for the historical context like after reading it then learning more about his journey and there's an essay by he wrote in the in this volume about you know how he he never really did get to be a full-time uh artist and uh and he's okay with that because he's still happy with his career and he's still making art and that sort of thing so uh yeah just just pretty interesting and um you know i just i figured uh I shout out a little, little Mongo since we're already talking about it. So it's called Boat Life, like I said, and it's one volume. And um, I'm pretty sure there isn't any more volumes, and it's 300 and some odd pages from Floating World. I'm in the Twilight Zone right now. I'm okay. sorry. I'm just – I'm in the freaking ether. Jason brought up Garo. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> do, you, do you know how many times I brought that up? No, oh, I know. I know. And it's, you're just like, mm, okay. Mute, like let let him no, talk. That's not true. That's not, that isn't true. <laughs> I I I just, I just can't. I can't. I can't handle it. Isn't that good? Are you? Happy? Yeah. No, it is good. But when you're in in interest, like there's if there's a confluence between your interest interest and mine, something's up. Like there's this, that's not true. We just got done talking about how we both love Ito. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but Ito's pretty mainstream, I think. When you're getting into the avant-garde manga, it, something's up. Like I, I talked about Slumwolf back in in uh, that. I know that's that's what made me read it. And Plaza. If if you we didn't have Ryan Holmberg, you wouldn't have had Plaza. You talked about Plaza. Oh, I just talked. I forgot that that's Holmberg as well. Okay, yeah, yeah there you go. That's probably what made me order this actually. Yeah, I mean, prob- yeah, okay. That's uh, the least of which uh, his name is attached. Like Holmberg, he is a he's the flag bearer for a lot of avant garde manga. Um, I'm thinking all the way back to uh, picture box days because I can. I was going to say because Holmberg, to your point, like he's like this came out through Floating World, but like you said, I mean, a lot of the stuff. Like each of his things has come out from different publishers. It's right. not like he's just got to deal with like a viz or something where he just brings this stuff over. I mean, he he. It seems like he finds a like each of these has been a separate project. He's had he's had to find a publisher for. Yeah, um, I'm I'm remembering an essay in the Last of the Mohegans like uh, that came out through Picture Box. Like he his he's got a thumbprint on a lot of. Um, milestone uh aka noteworthy manga volumes if you're into the avant-garde yeah. stuff man dap you you vince used to talk about picture box on the regular all the time that's yeah. one of my favorite publishers of all I time i know like yeah. every time they had something you would talk about it uh and i think i was justified 
you go back. Oh, I'm not saying you weren't. Yeah, I'm no, go back like and, that, yeah, and look that, at their catalog, those man. Publishers that I mean, uh, that yeah, rest in peace. Chippendale, Brinkman, the Fort Thunder stuff, like tons. Yeah, so uh, that's a, you know, I was thinking about that the other day because I was thinking about some of those Fort Thunder guys. Does Brian Chippendale does he not make comics anymore? Because I haven't oh, heard yeah, you no. mentioned his name in years. Um, uh, he does a lot of prints, and there's still the lightning bolt thing. Um, so I, I'm guessing uh, his career has slanted more towards the music these days because you're right um mm-hmm. unless he's working on a super long form book that we don't know about i mean and i'm not on the socials so i don't know if he's been sending out in progress stuff that who knows but you are correct i believe if an oof is the last thing that came out of uh any kind of weight from him yeah and that's been a yeah. while yeah oh and one other thing i should mention is that um is that uh, Suge Tadal's he's he's also well known as the brother of uh, Yoshiharu Suge, who is like a legend. So it's kind of like he was he, like like Suge never quite made it, and part of it was that he was like there was weight to that because he kind of always felt like a little bit like had like he had imposter syndrome because he basically got his chance to make manga in Garo. Because he was uh, Yoshihara's brother, who was like their top guy. You know what I mean? So, like, that's kind of interesting, too. Like, it's just interesting to get into the mindset of some of these people. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's not a profession or an occupation. It's a lifestyle. Right. You know, they just, they, every, they, they consume it, and it consumes them. I just, it's so different uh, on that side of the world, which, yep. yeah. We so, should probably uh, mention that we have a we have an all manga episode coming up sometime soon. Yes, I was wrong. Puke Force well, came after, um, if an oof, and Puke Force in 2016 was the last thing that he released. There you go. I mean, that's what that's six six going on seven years. Yeah, but I mean, one of the greatest drummers of all time. So there's that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I, I'm, I'm still I'm shaking, Jason. I like it. I like keeping you on your toes. Yeah, if I was on Twitter, I would say I'm crying as I'm typing this. But That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I like to fill your heart, especially around the Christmas time when you try and pretend like you don't like the Christmas. No, I don't pretend anymore. I love the Christmas uh, as filtered through the Hallmark lens. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy how many knockoffs there are now. Yeah. Well, there's only like C- there can be CBS only one. Is ga- no, well... But I'm saying, like, uh, if you're an OG fan of some of the specific Hallmark stars, they've all taken the bag to go elsewhere. Yeah, well, there's there's like, Alice. Uh, Candace Cameron Bure is uh, on that, what, that uh, Great American Family Network? Yeah, no big loss there yeah. for me. Oh, no, Seriously. I'm not. But I'm saying for some people, I mean, she was the first, right? She was like, you know, she was the grand dom yeah. of the... Uh, um, uh, uh, Winnie Cooper's on another network yeah. now. Again, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Danica, I like Danica, and and Beth Same. is a big fan of uh, of her. Uh, so, well, there, there's Allison Sweeney, and then there's everybody else. In my estimation, interesting. Love. Now her. I'm a Lacey Chabert fan. I like her too. Yeah, we've we're in weird territory now. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the comics. We talk about Allison Sweeney later. I got a story for you about Danica McKellar. <laughs> okay. So. so what else? What else do we have? So much. 
<laughs> why doesn't Dap tell us about something? We there just was, ripped about oh a bunch my. of manga, so. Oh, <laughs> yeah, which is why I didn't want to. Um, it's like gra- ahead, no, it's like Grandma came over to visit. <laughs> D- David, tell us about your day. Yeah, tell you, yeah, yeah, you go. Dude, you start every episode you by Jason. What do you read? I do. That is true. Because you're a good lead-in. Thank you. Yeah. Um, um, I was thinking about blowing Vince's mind, but I'll save it for... Uh, I saw your list. Our, ...our upcoming guest. I know. I know. That's why I put it up there, so you can see. Is that also manga? The what? Common Rider? Yes. Oh, no. No, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the thing you and Vince both have on your list. Oh, no. You don't know what that is? I don't. Well, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> no, it's not manga. Um, and and neither is uh, neither is, is this funky little uh, advanced review uh, copy I got my hands on, courtesy of um, Top Shelf. Uh, Super Trash Clash is uh is by edgar camacho who um did onion skin that i picked up at heroes which i was a fan of that and super trash clash instantly took me back to the days of my brother and i playing um games on the super nest and and it was uh it, it's the idea behind this story. It's and it's it's incredibly easy to to read. It it it's it's touching it at at parts. Uh, basically, we're introduced to um, to Duel, who uh, it's she's um, she's walking home and. Uh, looks in the window of a um of a thrift store uh, the second hand used goods and there's a video game cartridge of super trash clash and she just blows her mind and, and and she can't believe she sees this she runs inside she buys it and she heads home and 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 pops it it blows into it and first of all has to look for the old super nintendo and, and and get that out of the closet, out of the box, set everything up, hook it up to the TV, power it up, game ain't starting, eject the cartridge, blow into it, chunk it back in, all of a sudden, things start happening, and she just starts playing it, and there's a very small tear forming from her eye, and she's just thinking about back at elementary school, when she is right before her birthday, and she's... um. She's at school with with her uh, with her friend Misa, and Misa's talking about how you know he and the other guys are going to go to the arcade and she should come because it's going to be real fun, and 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 Duel's like no no I gotta I, I gotta go home my mom wants me home right after school I gotta get there to clean up the house and whatnot so um, I'll head home you have fun take my token and 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 have a great time so, so she does everything she's got to do she cleans the house she latch key kid cleans the house washes up. Does her homework, sits down and um, and and reads from her video game magazine, um, and uh, ends up dozing off on the couch. Mom comes home, they're chatting about their day, um, and she falls asleep with the magazine on her lap, and mom's flipping through it, and and you know she's like, 
she knows her daughter really wants this video game for her uh, for her birthday. Um, she wants Super Encounter Champions Two, which is basically Street Fighter, and and you know she's got the page marked, and you know she she kind of wants this game, and Mom's like, listen, you know it it's. That was weird. We got disconnected? No. Okay. I heard no, yeah, no, you were good. Okay. Um so uh so, so mom's like, you know, money's tight, it's just you and I. We'll do what we can. I was gonna take you out to dinner. Um but you know, we'll see what happens. And and, and, and it is your birthday after all. She goes to bed, mom slips through the magazine, she's the uh sees the page, and she's like, you know what? Maybe Maybe I'll make my kid happy. Next day, Tool wakes up. Mom gives her a present. It's a cartridge. She rips it open, and it's Super Trash Clash, which is absolutely not what Tool wanted. She's like, I saw it in your magazine. And the thing is, the Super Encounter Champions 2 ad was facing the Super Trash Clash ad, and that's what Mom saw. So Mom's like, well, this is what she wants. So um, all Duel is thinking about is is just like you would get from EGM or any of the other games with the ratings. you got, you know, um, all she's thinking is that the magazine rated STC a score of four, which is very bad. And she's just, she's just, she's, she's heartbroken because this is so not the game she wanted. It's bittersweet because mom spent money. Mom decided to get me a game and, and, and she's just like, but it is so not. And, and as a kid, I've been there as, 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 you know, thoughtless or ungrateful that may seem it, it happens. You you have your heart set on something. You think it's, it's definitely going to happen. And, and you know, and it's like, and, and obviously, you know, the parents, they're well-meaning. Shit, I do it today. I, I suck at giving gifts. So I know what it's like. I know what it's like on both sides. But it, it's it's one of those things where it's like she's just – she's distraught. And um, her, Misa comes over. He brings his controller over. They're going to play this game. And they, um, they're they just it, – it's almost like um, – the final fight where it's, it's, it's two brothers that, that are kind of not, not double dragon, but it's, 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 it's the bigger dude, the smaller guy. And you're just walking through the streets, beating up on anybody who comes at him. And, and it was just a real dull game compared to something like street fighter. And, um, and it just, they, they, they can't get the hang of it. The controls are just are, 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 are wonky AF the graphics kind of janky. So, um, so Misa's like, I can't, I can't with this. We gotta, we gotta go to my cousin Valley's house because he's got, he's got Super Encounter Champions too. So we're, we're, we're good to go. So they head there, and they're having a great time playing the game. Valley's a little older. He's played all the games. He's having a blast. He's, you know, giving them all the cheat codes and whatnot. And they, um, while they're having fun with this, Duel mentions that she's got Super Trash Clash at home, and and Valley's like, Yo, I got, I gotta play this. I need this game. I, I, I got to play it, man. I, I heard how bad it is. It can't be that bad. I got to play it. You got to go home. You got to get it. I'll trade you Super Counter Champions too. Like, like this is, we're going to do this. And, and she's like, all right, you know what? Bet. So she goes home and Misa goes home with her. They're playing like all through the night. Mom comes home with pizza. It's your birthday. We're going to have fun. And, um, mom's like, you know, uh, I, I, I figured you and Misa were going to be playing the game. 
it's fine. I'm the one who gave you the game. You don't have to like, you know, hurry, turn it off just because I came home. Um, and I, I could see you love it. That's great. It would have been a real shame if you didn't like it. Obviously, she's not playing the game mom gave her. And all of a sudden now her just her stomach just drops. And she's like for the rest, the rest of the night, she's just she, she's just nightmares. And, and, and she's having this dream about how she um, she's thinking about maybe I should go try to get the game back. Like I can't I don't want to hurt mom's feelings. I don't like this game, but this is what and, and she's just she's wrestling with this drama and this dilemma. And uh, so so she tells me she's like, I gotta go back. We gotta go to your cousins the next day at school. She's like after school, we gotta go to your cousins. I gotta get the game back. I'll trade the game back. It's fine. So Valley's like, Yeah, no, I I uh, I traded the game. I I don't have it anymore. I I I, I beat it, the game's trash. I, I just, you know, someone else has it. And um now now, now the book kind of goes into this wild goose chase of she's just trying to find out, you know, so, so this kid ends up selling it to someone else and so on. So, so, so she's just going crazy trying to find this game. She's like, I gotta, I can't not go home and I, I, I gotta have this game. I, I need it. She ends up finding it at, um, there's this, there's a great scene where she goes to an arcade and kicks this other kid's ass because, you know, he can't, he can't believe this girl is better than him at any video game. And fucking kid ends up cheating and, and flicks the game off right before she deals the, the, the winning blow. And, and he's just, and he starts crying and everybody's like, just having a laugh at the guy. And he's like, listen, I fair is fair. All right. You won. You beat me. This is, this is who has the game. Now she goes to the, um, she goes to the to the market, to thrift store to get the uh it's like a flea market, and um goes up to the guy, dealer to ask him if he's got the game. And and there are certain panels, there there's there some pages where it's kind of like made up like a video game. So when she's talking to Mr. Kano, the the shopkeep, um, it's made to look like an RPG where you've got controllers on either side of the uh directional pads on either side of the panel and and um you know, you're asking the question is, you know, you look around the store. Do you, do you want to talk to the salesman? Do you want to exit? So look, your things like that. Um, and he's like, listen, he's like, I will. All right, fine. You want to trade super encounter champions two for super trash class, that super trash clash that was brought to me by some kid yesterday. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what we want. He's like, okay. You know, I don't know why it would almost be a ripoff, but, Duel's like, I, I know, I know the game's trash. I need this. This is what I want to do. And he's like, all right, fine. Um, I, I I would do it, but um, there's a problem. I, I was about to put away um, the game, but then somebody stole it. And so I don't I don't have it to trade or, or, or to buy from you. So, um, but it's weird because I only got one copy of super trash clash and um it it took a long time to sell it was sitting there on the shelf for ages nobody wanted to buy it but some lady bought it she bought it yesterday she, she said it was a birthday present so you know and and i even put it on a payment plan so now of course stool's realizing mom's mom bought this on layaway and, and so not only now does she not have this game, mom's paying off something that that that, that dude doesn't even have anymore. And it's just, it's, it's absolutely crushing. And she ends up having to come clean with mom. And, and um, 
and and he's like and, and, and so she's she's sitting there crying on the couch mom's just like listen you know calm down whatever it is we'll we'll, we'll deal with it and and uh and she basically she comes clean she's like i traded the game you gave me for another one uh it was so bad but then i changed my mind and i wanted it to come back and but but it was already traded and then another boy traded it and then it was sold and then i'm just you know i'm i'm just i'm i i'm so so sorry and mom's just like you've been a great help to me lately at home between homework and all the other responsibilities you have very little time for yourself so even though i don't like the idea of you spending too much time in front of the tv i know you're happy playing the games i wanted to surprise you i did not know but there was such a thing as bad video games i kind of thought they were all the same so i just wanted to make you happy but um you know it's it it wasn't that it was that particular thing that i gave you it's not the gift itself it, it's it's the intention and um but since I haven't finished paying for it yet, um, instead of going to the arcade as often as you do, you can uh, help me and um, pay it off, and and, uh, and 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 we'll deal with it that way. But it it just the entire story was just. I mean, I read it in one sitting during my lunch break. I just I couldn't stop. And and it, like I said, Edgar's art is great. He he, he does this great thing where. Um, where he shows progression with uh, it, the way he um, it, it just like it. There's there's one full page where after she after duel the adult duel gets the game. There, there's there's three wide screen panels on one page where you know the, the top panel is her running through the streets. Her body is like full length. Into three panels. Top panel is like you know, her head and shoulders running through the streets. The middle panel is her on the bus with with, with her midsection, and then you see her legs like running on the street on on to, on the way home. But I just I, I love how Camacho decides to show the time and movement and 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 how someone gets from one place to the other. And, and the the kids are great when they as they're shown as kids. I just it was just one of those things where I remembered. I remembered all the cartridges my brother and I had. I remember what we had to do to get the fucking running, and and uh, just knowing that yes, there are, I've bought bad games. I know that you know whether you Bionic Commando for the Super Nintendo was way different than the Bionic Commando on at the arcade. You had um, between the Super Nintendo and 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 Genesis and, and Mortal Kombat, and one one platform had blood, the other didn't. The other needed a cheat code to get. Th- they're just I I love those old consoles. Not I I you know. I dig my PS4, and and as as rare as I get to play it, I've I I've enjoyed the progress of the progression of the consoles, but uh, but there's just something about the, the, those old eight bit games, and, and and as you know the the graphics said, they would slowly get better, and the low times and the speed, and and how the more crap that was thrown on the screen, the 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 slower the game would get, whether you were playing. Metroid or or F type or just it didn't matter. I just I there are just certain moments where I don't love everything about my childhood or junior high, but uh, but there are some moments that 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 definitely bring a smile back to my face and and uh, thinking about the games and playing the games with my friends and my brother. That's one of those things. But this 
this book just just hit me just right. This was this was an absolute blast. I don't um, I I, I got to find the write up about where it's um, when it will be available. But um, I remember I do remember seeing the solicits, and after I read Onion Skin, knowing that um, Camacho did this, um, it was definitely going to be. I was definitely going to be checking it out. Um, but this was, this was an absolute blast. It's nothing like onion skin, except for the fact that, you know, it has characters that you can probably relate to. Um, but it's still just, uh, just something about what Camacho does and, and, and how it kind of just taps in. And, uh, you know, between the two books that I've read, I'm, I'm a fan now, whatever Camacho is doing from here on out, I'll, I'll be checking out, but this, this was just, uh, just, it really it's so silly and it's 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 so simple but it it absolutely blew me away it it it, it was so much fun it's uh it, it and just kind of the, the the small roller coaster took you on and 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 just you know the emotions you feel for her and and maybe what you might even feel depending on you know how you grew up and and what you may have been interested in growing up it's it's the underlying story i think is something that just about anybody can relate to, but the fact that this just focused on a Super Nintendo type system and uh, and everything this little this poor little girl went through just because she didn't want to upset her mom, even though she herself was upset. It was I I liked it a lot. It really was a lot of fun. Neat. It looks really good. Yeah, I like the art a lot. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say I, I I definitely didn't love Onion Skin as much as Dap, but I def but I I loved the art for sure. It's so um and, and this this I probably didn't order this because I didn't love Onion Skin as much as you. But I have to say, hearing you talk about this and it being about video games and back in the day, the old cartridge games and the like, I, that is something I think I would glom onto much more than the subject matter of onion skin so uh so right. i'll pick this up nice excellent well jason i have a surprise for you oh shit yes what you got did you know that simon hanselman has a new book out i did <laughs> um i'm not gonna ask you if you've read it no but i see that both you and david have yes yes, yes. um there's <laughs> There's really not a whole lot to talk about uh, other than uh, the name of the book is Below Ambition by Mr. Simon Hanselman, published by Fantagraphics. Jason, it has a flexi disc included with the book. Do you know what a flexi disc is? Would you like me to explain that to you? <laughs> Why don't you explain it to, to, to the to the to the uh, Luddites among us. <laughs> well, a flexi disc is a phonograph record, but it's inscribed upon a piece of flexible plastic. Henceforth, flexi disc. It's a cheap way to get uh, well music to those that have turntables. Uh, presently, back in the day, uh, seemingly everyone had a turntable because that and cassettes were the only way to consume music. So um, I remember the glory days of Trouser Press, and it would frequently come with a flexi-disc. And even if you didn't like the band or you didn't know of the band, damn, getting your hands on a flexi-disc was like the greatest thing. You plopped it on the turntable, and within three minutes you knew whether you loved it or hated it, right? Uh, why is there a flexi-disc included with this book? Well, because 
this um, narrative focuses on the exploits of a band called Horse Mania. And, and the, the members of the band are Meg and Werewolf Jones. Yes, they've, they've started a band. And um, their performances, um, well, they're, they're definitely in the Andy Kaufman territory, where there's a blurring of um, the line where performance, uh, where the art ends and reality begins. Uh, usually you go to a movie or you go to a, you know, a concert or even a comedian or, or, or a bar band. And there, there's a, a very strong definition between what's happening on stage or on the screen. That's, that's the entertainment or the art and what's happening around the, the, the consumer of said art is usually that, I mean, not usually, but that's where the reality, um, begins or exists let's say it's very hard to tell <laughs> when when horse mania performs they reach beyond mere musical performance into the uh the lives of those that came to experience them they draw the crowd such as it is i mean a couple people they they draw the uh the the audience into the performance and they do it by um berating um offending said audience um it's just meg and and werewolf jones making sounds uh, on on instruments hanselman conceived this book as uh well two things um firstly it was um, something to fill in the gap between his big works. Like Crisis Zone was the last big one, the pandemic book. And he's working on something now of, of greater length. Uh, so Below Ambition is just to fill in that void between big projects. And he also designed it as uh, a test of the audience's patience. And and that's exactly what horse mania is. They try the patience of those that that come to see them, or, or are uh, unfortunate enough to to be in the same uh, physical space as they. They're 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 just fucking around. And typically, a performance begins with uh, Jones and Meg being drunk or inebriated, uh, which is the same word. Or uh, uh, there are substances at play that make them l other than they are in the, the 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 baseline state, right? So they don't care. They're they're just there to express themselves, and they start flinging expletives around at the audience, and the audience some become irate and they want to kill them. <laughs> There's one great little passage where Werewolf Jones is 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 singing a song. And he's like, I'm a black man in America. And America has three K Ks at the end of it. <laughs> and then it switches to a black guy at the bar. And he is not pleased <laughs> that Werewolf Jones is appropriating his, uh, his skin color. <laughs> but um, 
now see this is where uh, i know jason uh, doesn't it, whether um it, he's unwilling or just doesn't find anything within hanselman's work uh you know to champion it's amazing how i i find him amazing because he can deliver the most offensive um raffish low brow unrefined just uh coarse scene and use it to his advantage there's a the last couple pages of this book i will not reveal because it i think it is the the kick in the balls uh for the whole book like uh, i i would not do that to anyone who has not read this but there are two scenes in this book. I will tell you about the first one. G- gleefully. <laughs> David knows what I'm saying. Uh, they finish a gig, right? And Meg is just throwing expletives around. And there's a, 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 a bunch of ruffians that they, they you know, pissed off. And, and Meg is, is she, she's, she's mouthy, right? And Jones is just like, man, I love being in a band with you. Come on, I, I want to fuck you in the ass, <laughs> right? And and Meg's like, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Just because Mog is not around doesn't mean, you know, we can just do it. And and when Jones is like, oh yeah, yeah, come on, and he's sticking his tongue out, and she's like, ah, whatever, I'm drunk. So they go into an alley, in public. They go into an and Mike's with them. They go to an alley and, and Jones, he pulls down her, her panties and there's no finesse to this scene. Like he just, I can't, I, there's no way I can sugarcoat this. He spreads her ass, right? And she's got shit on her butthole. And he's like, what? Did you do a shit? And she's like, yeah, back in the green room. And he's like, ooh, stinky. But that doesn't stop him. <laughs> so he goes right in and he's he's hitting her and meg is all the while she's chewing on a piece of of chicken <laughs> she's got she's got one hand on the wall and she's like chewing on this chicken and you know hanselman doesn't turn away he shows it right there's full penetration in this book uh with fecal matter and they're having fun. And then Mike just decides, Mike is watching them while they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And he just decides to turn away and go, horse mania, woo! Right? <laughs> but the point of this whole thing is there's a scene at the end that will rip your heart out. And it's somewhat based upon the events of this scene. So. I can't say any more without spoiling it, so I won't. But he manages to use the most offensive, lowbrow antics and still makes you care about these characters, especially the title character, Meg. You know. And um, I just find that amazing that it's, it's almost prestidigitation, right? Like he's, he's, you know, dazzling you with this, really crude stuff going on right i mean they're they're having sex in an alley in public with mike watching but he uses that and the 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 scene on the bookend scene is pretty crude too 
I mean, I got to be honest. There, there's there's stuff going on that is the majority of listeners would probably find it offensive on some level, I'm guessing. But that doesn't stop Simon from eking out some humanity from it. And it's amazing how he does this. Like, you think he's a one-trick pony, and he's definitely not. I mean, there, there's there's real heart in this thing. De- did you feel that, Depp? I did, yeah. I mean, once you get past Werewolf Jones pissing all over the bathroom and everything Oh, he doesn't else, care. It, he's he's it, a piece it, of no, shit. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yep, yep, yep. But for you, but for you, fucking Mickey. Uh, no, this is, this is really like the first time I've spent so much time with these characters was this book. And, um, and I, I see the appeal. I absolutely get why, why you dig it. Um, there's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it repays you six panels and, and, you know, you just, you're in their lives and, and it's, you know, whether it's, and it's just. The there are a couple of chapters where it it will the what was it house show there's there's a local bar there's there's one where it just it almost feels uncomfortable just because of what they're doing on stage oh and yeah how long this whole concert is taking and and all the crap they're doing and and however many songs they have and you just have people in the audience that are just like all right and Dracula's just hitting and it's just it's just so it's. It, it's it, nuts. It's, it's a test of the it's... audience's patience. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, um, it, not it's... only the audience in the bar or the wherever they were, but the 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 in the <laughs> physical world, the readers of yes. this book. That scene goes on for like thirty pages. It's insane. It's yeah, it's and it's just, just Meg it, just <laughs> trying to get words out, trying to get the right sound <laughs> yeah. on that keyboard, and they're just dun, laying dun, there, dun, and it just dun, and their eyes fucked because everybody's got the eyes. It's just, but it is. It's I. It, there is there is harder you actually yeah you you do you do care it's not like you don't just read this and go like there's absolutely nothing here that 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 makes me want to keep reading this because because these characters are so horrible yeah the characters may be horrible but they're um as i say but they're human and it's yeah they're not really drawn that way but they still have the emotional attachment they still have regret they still it's and it just it comes through so well. It, it's um, it's it's crazy how uh, someone like Hanselman could make you feel this way about characters after you know you've spent almost two hundred pages with them, and and still by the time you get to the end, you're just like, I, you 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 waded through all of that to get to those those more touching moments, and it's they're there, they're there. You got to look for them. They're not going to hit you in the face, but uh, you, 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 I think you definitely get rewarded by uh, by yeah. the end of the book. Yeah, but you didn't read Crisis Zone, right? Not yet, no. All right, then. Um, well, there's it's a sticky wicket because Crisis Zone, straight from Hanselman's mouth, isn't really uh, that I hate the word, but it isn't really canon. There, there's something that happens in Crisis Zone and has happened in another fictional, another narrative of, of you know, concerning Meg and, and company that plays into that last scene. So if you haven't oh, read okay. those, 
you'll I mean you'll get it. Um, It'll hit harder. Oh yeah, close. yeah, much, okay. much. Um, but Jason, they they stumble into this um, an act from a, a a luchador magician wearing a fez, and his name is DJ El Sexo, <laughs> right? And he's doing an act with a little guillotine and a carrot on stage, right? And he's he he he's a name dropper. He's like, yeah, I just got off tour with Neil Hamburger, and for some reason, Megan and and Werewolf Jones hear that, and they just keep calling for Neil Hamburger. <laughs> right? It's so stupid. It's like Neil Hamburger, and they're, they're <laughs> the old man at the bar. Yeah, you suck, Neil Hamburgers, and. It's, <laughs> Meg, Meg says, why don't you put your cock in that guillotine? Like, it is so totally offensive. But the the DJ El Sexo plays into it. Like, he drops the F word, which, you know, it's this is unvarnished, right? And uh, takes his dick out and puts, a, uh, uh, like, a handkerchief over it. And shit goes south really fast, very, very quickly. Uh, is I I I just love this shit so much. I love it. Uh, did you listen to the flexi, Dave? Did no, I did not. Um, the uh, it's not what you expect. <laughs> I did want to ask if so. Is this is this all new material? Yeah, yeah, relatively. Oh, I mean, a lot of this oh, stuff he published um, in mini comic form. Okay. How he yeah, sells them through the back cover has the the list of of chapters, so it made me think that it was it was it was a there was a collection or the, the compilation of of where things that appeared. Elsewhere. Yeah, he's not dumb. He sells those the the mini like little chapbook things from his uh, his website for like ten fifteen bucks a piece. So and they sell out every time. So he's making money on the chapters. He's making money on the book. He's he's making money. He's eating really well. The uh, the very maybe the only the 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 very first flexi disc that I had um, was uh, Billy and the Boingers from one of the Bloom County collections. Oh right, yeah, I, I remember that. The hell out of that. And some of them, you know, you have to put like a coin so this way because you don't want the unevenness of the turntable since it's just a little piece of plastic. But yeah, I I I, I love that little flexi disc. So there you go. Um, but the process echoes the concept, right? So Hanselman does not finesse the production of the art. He doesn't have to have a certain thickness of Bristol and, um, you know, the right number of, uh, the, you know, a, a pencil with the exact specifications. Like he's just throwing this down on cheap, shitty paper. And then, you know, coloring it with whatever, colored pencils. And uh, now when he paints, that's a different story. I think he's an amazing painter. Um, I think he's an amazing illustrator, too. But what I'm saying is the concept is that you have these rough-hewn, uh, earthy, I guess you can call them lowbrow. I, I wouldn't, but some people would, uh, characters. And the approach to the visuals are in line with the... You know, it's called genetic makeup of the characters. I think he's just, he's got it, man. Um, and this is an amazing book. Below Ambition, which is a song in the book that takes forever. Um, Simon mm -hmm. Hanselman, Fanographics. 
get it. Jason's probably already ordered it. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Oh, I've already read half of it while you guys talked about it. <laughs> uh, before I forget, um, <laughs> so I know we go, there's no way to put this back when I was talking about it, but uh, Super Trash Clash was, uh, it, it, it was on the shelves last week. So it is available. Oh, nice. Excellent. Let's go make fun of some Christian rockers who aren't Christian rockers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's, uh, yeah, we, I won't say it. If you're, uh, uh, hmm, yeah, just get the book. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see Jesus do things in this book that you never thought he would do. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> Good Lord. I love, that's one of my favorite things ever. When you, like Andy Kaufman, when you can't tell what the fuck is going on, what is real, what is performance, I love being in that state. That is like one of my favorite things ever. For sure. That is, I mean, that's definitely something that you dig for sure. Yes. Yes. So there you go. What else do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Jason, fess up. What you got? Um, I'm pretty sure Dap hasn't finished it yet, and I can't blame him because the final uh, issue came out today. Um, so I won't get into like any kind of deep plot details, but I will say uh, we had uh, our well. First of all, we're you know we are listen, we are fortunate. Uh, we like everybody else can get caught up in our own drama sometimes, and. Uh, I think every now and then it's good to take a step back and look at what we've accomplished with the show. And there's a lot to be proud of. And one of the things that I think, I don't want to speak for you both, but I will, that we're all proud of is the relationships we've cultivated with really uh, terrific creators. Um, One of which, of course, is Mr. Daniel Warren Johnson. We have known Dan um, long before he was... DWJ in quotes uh, with mile long lines at cons and uh, very well earned, but very expensive uh, commission prices, right? We knew him back when he was doing space mullet. He was just a guy trying to tell stories and make, make, make a go of it. Um, We most recently had Dan on the show some months ago to talk about do a power bomb, his latest uh, creation that he's writing and drawing. And today the seventh and final issue hit the stands. Um, like many, I uh, now I had resigned myself because I know the way that Dan's work is structured that I wasn't going to read do a power bomb until it was complete. Um, now we kind of didn't do that because since we had him on the show, he shared with us. I think it was the, what the first two issues. I think yeah. right. Yeah. So we read the first two issues when we had him on to talk about it. No, we were getting into, but I hadn't read any of the subsequent issues uh, until today. But now that seven hit, I sat down after dinner and read do a power bomb one through seven. I reread one and two read the others. And uh, like I said, I'm not going to get into the, to any kind of plot development or anything like that. Cause my boo dap here hasn't finished it. I'm sure yet, but uh, I will remind everyone for those that, that, that don't recall our chat with him. Uh, Dan is an unapologetic, massive fan of professional wrestling. And in particular, he is a fan. Well, he he really got heavy into professional wrestling watching New Japan 
and has transitioned to being a big fan of AEW, which, of course, we are also fans of. But uh, this book essentially takes his love of professional wrestling and sets it in what I think has become somewhat of a DWJ structural trope, which is, uh, you know, a, a big adventure full of action and heart. Like, that's the thing. Like, equal parts heart, equal parts adventure. Like, that's what you're going to get with a DWJ comic. And that's what we get here. The premise, which is all set up in the first issue. So, again, I'm not spoiling anything because we discussed it months ago. Uh, a, a young woman watches her mom, who is the world champion wrestler, get killed in in-ring uh, by her arch nemesis. And, um, and, and 10 years later... This young girl is now a young woman. She's trying to make it in wrestling, but no one will touch her because of the stigma of her mom dying in the ring. And her dad, who was um, obviously devastated by the loss as well, has basically blackballed her, won't, you know, has asked all of his friends within the industry not to train her. And she gets approached by a necromancer, effectively a, a demon from another, another universe, who, um, after trying to take over the universe and failing in a big war uh, started falling in love with, um, with, with earthen television and in particular professional wrestling. So he decides to have a tag team tournament. And the draw here is if you win your, if you win the tournament, you can bring someone back from the dead. So of course our heroine uh, is uh, enticed to, Enter the tournament to try and bring her mom back from the dead, and she she teams up with uh, none other than the uh, the wrestler who um, who was responsible for her death, and uh, and 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 the rest of the series is basically the tournament. It's it's them in like blood sport kumite style going up against these other crazy tag teams. And I should mention that the conceit here is that uh, the 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 rest of the universes that have wrestling, it's real. So like the fact that, 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 that our wrestling is scripted and, 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 uh, and, and quote unquote fake and performative is not like, does not register with anyone else that's involved. So they have to not only wrestle in this tournament, but they have to like legit like wrestle against, uh, you know, people in often cases much stronger and more violent than they are. Um, and so the, the, the rest of the series, basically this tournament and, um, you know, I won't get into, how it progresses or, or, or the, the, the pits and valleys of, of their journey. But I will say that in typical DWJ form, uh, the book ends with all the feels, you know, I mean, that's kind of become his thing, right. Of like putting in these crazy over the top adventurous circumstances, um, you know, big blockbuster movie style set pieces and, and scenes and tons of action and speed lines but at its at at its core is a relationship driven by loss and love, and uh, and and this is another one in the the DWJ library that's very fitting. Um, and I will say that uh, as a fan of professional wrestling, um, you know this one was a very easy spoonful of medicine, and I loved it. I thought it was great. So uh, you know I'll stop short of saying it's like the best thing that, that Dan has done yet because as Dapp alluded, we kind of have it's just natural to have recency bias after you read something. It's literally a few hours old, so I'll let it sit, but it's certainly very worthy of people's attention. And if you liked Extremity or uh, Murder Falcon, I can't see how you won't love this, too. You should love everything Daniel does. Sure. No, I'm just saying, you know, uh, you know, 
I I I will say, you know, for for me, like Dan has figured out the kind of story he likes to tell, and he's very good at it. Um, and that's and it's it's like I said, the all three of those have been great. I would love to see him on his next project go completely in a different direction. You know, just just complete like like in terms of tone and subject matter and characterization just give us something completely different i would love that well uh you're gonna get your wish i know we We can't can't say why but i know yeah so you know um i i don't want to uh i I will be less than positive uh, by saying that i thought jurassic league was good but Mm -hmm. i would have loved it more if, if uh daniel drew it of course yeah, definitely. Yeah. And 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 we've had Dan on the show what four or five times, maybe more uh, over the years. And and he's always said that for him, he he doesn't envision uh, ever, or at least he can't at this point doesn't plan on drawing other people's stories ever again, right? Um, and I, you know, I think I'm with you, Vince. Like I think I I, I want to see him write and draw his stories. Yeah, like like yeah. that's that's I think. And, and but I get it. Like I get the idea of wanting to write stories for other people too, because bluntly you can make more money. Sure, bigger, right? I mean, right. Lemire does it, Kent does it, Scotty does it. Like it's it's perfectly natural. So so I'm not. But but I'm with you. I think Jurassic League left me a, a little wanting. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I liked it. But I mean, when you're sitting down talking to DWJ, you don't have a translator, right? He's he's so open and honest and in the yeah. moment, and and yeah. he is uh, quote unquote. A human being. He's he he gives yep. his attention to you, uh, like he hopes you would return to him. And I I thought that's kind of what we got here. It was like somebody translating DWJ. And I know what the dude sounds like. And I know what he looks like. So uh, his work, uh, that is. So I mean, it sure. it was enjoyable. It was fun. But um, again, we always want more. And I think, what could this have been if Daniel just drew it? You know, uh, yeah, Getty, Gedeon's good, mm-hmm. but he's not. No, I mean, I, I think the same Scotty, right? Like, like, or yeah, yeah, Gedeon drew this, and yeah. um, who oh, else? Yeah. Uh, uh, what was the other one? Raphael, uh, Raphael Garris, right? Is that who? Um, I think he he was the anchor on it. I think. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, no, I think the same of Scotty, right? Like, like, while I think he's had some really excellent artistic partners um i'd be lying if every time i you know even even with with twig and kyle looked kyle strand was phenomenal on twig or or the new series the new season of i hate fairyland which which the the, you know brett is i thought looked great in the first issue and um you know and 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 bully wars which uh, you all know i i I totally fucks with aaron conley like every time i read a scotty comic that he writes but doesn't draw there is a part of me that thinks man imagine if scotty had drawn this too and that's not meant to be in any way a slight to his artistic partners because i think i've enjoyed almost everything and no i have enjoyed everything that you know jorge corona is terrific too in his own right with the stuff that they've done but 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 there is a part of me because i love scotty's cartooning you know like i'm like man like I want to see Scotty Wright draw something, right? Like, and yeah. it's it's the same thing with with Dan. I think it just feels right. It feels right to have them write and draw their, their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
But uh, totally get it. I mean, if you can make some some Skrilla writing for somebody else, then do it. But uh, yeah, and and maybe it's just time and 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 a big enough catalog because for as much as I adore uh, Jeff, you know Lemire's cartooning, I I, I think he's an incredible. Like I think his stuff that he just writes for other people is incredible too. So like I've gotten past that with him. I don't you know like I don't when I read his stuff that he writes for other people to draw, I don't find myself being like, Oh, I wish Jeff had drawn this. Like I'm good with it. Like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, okay. No, this is, this is great. And it's just as it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I won't break your heart. So I won't comment on that. Okay. Good. Yes. <laughs> Cause I loves you. And you uh, love Jeff. Uh, I do love Jeff a lot. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, Dap, can I talk about the other thing that's on our list? Of course. Yeah. Dap and I, again, read the same thing. Jason, you got to get with the flow. So Not this is what I think it is. Is this like from the 40s? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is, my man. This is like trying to tell me I need to watch. The, I got. I need to tag team on a Humphrey Bogart watch. Like, nah, I'm good, dude. What? Oh, good. stop. Uh, no, no, don't. No. But it's Jeff Parker, boo. Yes, it's Jeff Parker. Wait, I thought you said it was from the 1940s. It is. The characters are. Yes. Oh, oh, no, that's different. Okay, no, speak on it then. I thought you meant like you guys just for some reason decided to read this old 1940s comic. <laughs> it's not Terry the Pirates. Uh, well, we'll it, that. don't worry. But, uh, written, yeah, shout out to Clover Press. That's right. Yes. You'll hear them again, too, on another episode real soon. Um, well, so, you, I hope you, you know we only have so many categories for that, right? You know? <laughs> I do. Okay. Uh, written by Jeff Parker, illustrated by Joseph Cooper, with color art by Arancia Studio, published by Dynamite. It's an oversized one-shot called Catman and Kitten number one. So... Jason, you're going to say, well, who's this Catman dude? What's up with this? Where's he from? He's a character from the 1940s. Yes. It was created by uh, Erwin Hayson. Um, and there's a lot of characters. I just don't want to say a lot, but there are many characters in this book that were uh, have their origins in the 40s. But uh, So it, it's, it's in 1948. So, yes, it's set in the 40s, late 40s. Uh, dust is settling on World War II, and uh, you got an expedition that went to Kalakum. What? Kalakmul. Did I say that right, Dap? Kalakmul, yes. Yeah. And. Uh, right, Jambi. For, for what purpose? Well, th- they unearth a Mayan artifact called the Eye of the Queen. Ooh. And so they, they're throwing this, this press party just to, you know, uh, celebrate the discovery of the thing. And attending is Detective David Merriweather. Who's David Merriweather? Well, he's Catman. Catman was raised by tigers in the jungles of Burma. Jason. <laughs> and uh, he's loving this. He's he's tapping on the keyboard. to order this thing. Uh, also in the room is, is David's journalist, gal pal, Lindy. Right? So... They they reveal the, the eye of the queen, and not long after the party's crashed by a pack of masked, gun-toting crooks called the Lavender Mob. Jason, you know want to know why they called them the Lavender Mob? I'm guessing because they wear lavender get-ups. They do. They wear lavender suits and masks, right? 
So uh, Meriwether, being Catman, can communicate with the feline form. He directs a house cat to douse the lights. They, they, their eyes meet, and David's like, mm, gives the cat the, the eye, and the cat's like, gives the eye back, goes over to the light switch, knocks it off, right? And it gives Catman the opportunity. He, ta- he, he changes into his Catman garb, right? And he takes care of the mob, but, but not before the discoverer of the artifact is stabbed in the chest. He's dead. And the eye of the queen is stolen. What? It's stolen. Yep. So Catman tracks the thief's scent and runs out and he's going after the, 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 the perpetrator and he's brought down by this crazy-ass ray gun with a big old jewel on the end of it by this femme fatale in the shadows. Uh-oh, right? Catman's down. What's going to happen? Well, this is where Kitten comes into the picture. Katie Kahn. This is... Um, it's, it's the Catman equivalent of Dick Grayson. She was uh, a, a circus acrobat, and her parents were killed, and henceforth she became the young ward of Meriwether. So she's young. Keep that in mind. I think she's like 12 or 13 around there. So uh, Kitten, well, I see, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Okay. So Kitten comes to Catman's rescue. He he was out of it. Ugh, he's he's in and out of consciousness. He and he he called her and she she and Lindy, um, uh, they scoop up Catman and they're heading to one of Catman's associates. Not really a friend, an associate called Marvolo the Mystic. Jason, this is another 1940s character created by Fred Gardner. For Colum- he's still my heart. Right, he's got a freaking turban. How could oh, you not love a character with a turban? And, yeah, and so culturally appropriate. Well, it he yeah he's a mystic. Okay, of course, yeah, of course. He appeared in Big Shot Comics uh, in, from Columbia Publisher. Um, so uh, they're at Marvelo the Mystic Sanctum Sanctorium, and he summons a Blue Devil lookalike. Really? Seriously? Nah, right? Uh, from the Murky Realms called Vastuzhas. And um, he, Marvelo, coerces them into giving up the information and they get it. And so the chase is on. They got to go all the way back to Kalakmul uh, and the Mayan temple, right? So how are they going to get to the freaking temple? Enter Spy Man. You know who created Spy Man, Jason? Please tell me. Sky Man. Skyman? I said, no, it's Spyman. Oh, Spyman? Yeah, right? No, the wing, it, it, it's Skyman is, is flying them into the jungle. Oh, damn. I read it as Spyman because there's a Harvey character named Spyman that was created buttons. by Joe Simon. But anyway, so Spyman from the 40s. And uh, Spyman's a pilot, and he's got this plane called the wing, right? What do you think happens on the way to the Mayan temple? They get attacked. They get attacked by pterosaurs. What? There's friggin' snake men ambush them in the jungle. Holy shit! This is must read. I'm telling you. And the the secrets of the Mayan temple are revealed. We get a little glimpse at paradise. Paradise includes women riding T Rexes and people scooting around on hover discs. But the the coolest thing, they bend time in this book. They they actually bend time. There's a temporal device that saves the day at the end, and uh, it's so much fun. 
and it's a done in one. So you could read this, Jason, without any kind of prior knowledge of Skyman or Spyman or Catman. <laughs> it was awesome. Wasn't it, David? I I didn't know what to expect. I did. I I I enjoyed it. It was I was glad that it was it was done in one um because I wasn't sure if if this was I wasn't sure if this was part of like the project superpowers if this was just, you know, there's just, just another character that Dynamite Cyclist and or just put out another book and but um public domain between, is the right. is the keywords. Yeah. Between the art and 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 Parker seemed to be having fun and and uh, I he seemed I mean whether I mean even when um, he did the uh, the the King's feature syndicate with 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 those characters the right. defenders of the earth stuff I mean he just he he seems to have care for these characters and and it uh, and it shows it was fun no heavy lifting whimsical um, I. Uh, I know nothing of these characters, but by the time I was a few pages into it, I got the gist of of um, yeah everybody's deal and and you know, where where it's kind of going from here. But it was it was um, but as far as her her being a the uh, the puberty cusping kid, I don't see it. Well, here's what I was talking about: AC Comics used Catman and Kitten um, semi-regularly within, you know, their, their, their publishing line. And the thing that AC Comics did was they hyper-sexualized. Of course, it's AC of Comics, course. right? Black, yeah. But there was, I, I, I distinctly remember one scene where um, Meriwether's in the bathroom, Kitten's taking a bath, a bubble bath, and he's doing what he's doing, and she just stands up, and she's like, can you hand me a towel? And I'm like, wait a minute. Number one, this is his ward. Number two, she's a kid. But they, like I said, they they, they really super sexualized Kitten to the point where it got a little uncomfortable and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I'm not specifically down for that, considering the origins of these characters. But, you know, Bill Black and the way Mark Heinke, the way it was drawn, it, it was uh, very pleasing to the eye, let's just say. But when you, when you, when you get to the, the nuts and bolts of it, she should be just a kid. Right. And uh, like I said, I, this one was more in the tradition of the original uh, Catman and Kitten, but she is, she's got a, a very appealing look to her in this book, too. But it's not crammed down your throat standing up in the middle of a bubble bath right she's just she's just doing her super heroics and good girl art on both sides of that coin but she's a basically a child come on so yeah i thought it was wonderful um this this joseph cooper dude uh the art was great um so you have a lot of story within not a whole lot of pages so it's super condensed Right, it's the yeah. action is fast and furious. This is there's nothing decompressed about this book at all. There's very very few big panels because they got a lot of story to tell, and I love that approach. I know that's not for everybody, but if you throw a blizzard of panels at me, give me a lot of story, change locations like crazy. It's not Attack of the Clones, but 
I, you know what I mean? I like a lot of meat on the bone, and this one had that. So if you're looking for a diversion, something off the beaten path, a little bit different, and you want to revisit some comic history, check out Catman and Kitten, number one. It's just great stuff. It's four ninety nine too, because it's oversized. It is great, and Jason, you need to read it. <laughs> it's instant classical material. Uh, it's, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's probably not going to be the top of the stack anytime soon. It's pulpy AF. Exactly. exactly. Well, no. It's, um... <laughs> yeah, you so know what's going to... We gonna... all love what we love. It's okay that we don't all love the same things no, all the time. biologically. In terms of genetics, on your 50th birthday, you're going to wake up that morning and be like, hot damn, I need some Tarzan or, the, or some Phantom. I need some of that good, good stuff. It's just well, going to hit you because you'll be dude, a man speaking, then. Well, speaking of Tarzan, Vince. <laughs> yes. Do you know the elevator pitch for all against all number one? I don't. What if Tarzan was the xenomorph? Interesting. There's a little bit of Tarzan in Catman too, you know. Cause, okay. Because Cat, no, Catman was raised by by um, tigers, and Tarzan was raised by apes. Yes, this is true. So tell me about this. This, no, uh, no, no. I don't want because you, you know, we off off, off air. You, you said you hadn't had a chance to read it yet. I just you just brought up Tarzan, and I mentioned in um, well, now's a good chance, as good a time as any. Uh, we now have well, we've always had, but we now have a public YouTube uh, channel. I say we've always had because we have had a YouTube channel where we put uh, patron videos that you can only access if you have uh, a patron a membership, Patreon membership. But uh, now we're doing public. For everyone's consumption videos and um, for the last few weeks I've been doing um, which was inspired by our boy Dap on the Slack every week posts the new comic book list on Wednesday and asks everyone to share their five books that they're most excited about oh so is it five? Doing... I didn't know that yes yeah, so it's I... supposed to be top five yeah so I have been doing in honor of that and on shelves little video it's been running five or six minutes uh, where i take a look i basically take my answer to dap's question on the slack and do a video of it and all against all number one was one of the five things i was most excited about this week uh and yeah so and and i mentioned in the video that uh casper wingard in an interview i saw with him said that uh he when alex packnadel who's the writer approached him to do the series he said and he said to Casper, picture what if Tarzan was a xenomorph and alien? And Casper said, that's all I needed to hear to jump on. So, uh, so yeah, so you're going to get a little pulp thrown into your high adventure, gory sci-fi when you finally read that issue. Well, maybe I'll just read it tonight after we're done recording. Look at you. You should. I you. really love Wingard's work. Like, it, it's unhealthy how much I love his style. Right on. Yeah. It looks it's, great. It's, I thought the first issue was great. In terms of uh, dollars, uh, what are his pages going for? Um, I don't – well, no, that's an interesting question because um, he was at New York Comic Con. I, I actually got – he's rep, rep by Cadence, our friends at Cadence. Um, I got a commission from him, but I don't think he sells his art because um, I, I, I don't recall them ever having like a – Casper uh, Wingard art drop day. So, 
I'm guessing he's not a big fan of selling his pages. Oh, wait, hold on. I So there are homesick pilot pages listed. Um and they are they're up there. I mean, for especially for cadence, you know, um homesick pilot pages are about 800 a piece. So I would imagine all against all will be similarly priced if and when he he puts them up. Hmm, 800 is not bad, right? Again, it it depends on one's budget and one's passion for a given work. But no, I'm saying you say you would never. There, there's no, there is no version of the multiverse where you spend eight hundred on a page of published art. Yes, there is. If it's a Richard Corbin page, I would. Oh, okay. Let me retrench. There's no version in the multiverse of reality where you spend eight hundred dollars on a modern page of art. This is true. Right. Yes. So I could have said eight hundred or ten thousand, and either way, you'd be like, "Oh, cool, cool." Both are numbers. Yes. Right. Yeah. But if uh, some somebody floats a Corbin page across my uh, and it's from the Warren years, oh damn! I, I know eight hundred is probably far, far low. Mm-hmm. But and I know that that probably wouldn't spend that much on a published uh, on a modern piece of art either. But I will say that uh, he and I both have something on our list this week. Where I did, in fact, spend that very much for a page of it, and it just came out. And that is Zoe Thorogood's It's Lonely at the Center of the World. Wow, you got a page from that? I did. As, I read- did, many, as did many of our slackers. We gobbled them up. We are like Legion, dude. Like We kind of descend like locusts on some shit. I read that too, you know. You did? I did. After yeah, after, after Tony mentioned it and said it was so great, I'm like, well, let's see if this guy's ducks are all. Well, in then the I'm then I'm vexed because you didn't put it on your list, which leads me to believe you didn't care for it. No, I had I, last week. I no, had no, no, it, yeah, he, a couple yeah, weeks ago. I had it on there. I remember he mentioned it on Slack. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Tell them about it. Well, I, okay. This is one of those books where. Um, you know, I, I think we try and be open-minded, and and I think just even in fact earlier this episode we talked about how everybody's got different tastes. But you know, the, whether it be music or film, or you know, there are certain things that are so good to you, like you like it so much that you're like, it's almost a, a litmus test. Where if 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 people diss it, you're like, you know, you're gonna side eye them for maybe perpetuity. You know, like hold like a Dap-esque grudge against them, like where you're like, you're never going to forget, like never forget. Um, It's, you know, it's always been Hal type of thing. Um, This is one of those books to me. Like, I I get if the subject matter isn't for someone because it, and and as Tony talked about when, when he was guesting on the show, like it is a very, you know, it, it is an emotionally challenging and 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 um you know difficult subject matter so like i get if the of the the tenor of the book is not like to someone's liking but if you profess to be a fan of comic books and sequential storytelling and you look at this book and visually don't think it's a triumph i I think we just gotta part ways i don't i don't think we see i don't think we we our eyes see the same universe like that's how good I think the visuals of this book were. It's a fair assessment. 
Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm, I guess I'm down with you on that too. Okay. Uh, I think in my, I did a video for this uh, as well because it was the best thing I read that week. And I said that I think Scott McCloud would be proud of her, of Zoe Thorgood, because I think in this book, which is incredibly personal. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming people know what it's about because Tony was just on what, like two, three weeks ago and talking about it. But, but for, for those that, that maybe are behind or skip that episode for whatever reason, shame on you for that. But um, Zoe Thorgood is a 23 year old uh, British woman who is a cartoonist, a comic creator. And she um, suffers from pretty severe anxiety and depression um, she was set to attend New York Comic Con to promote um, uh, her last work. Uh, it was going to be her first big convention of her career. Um, she did do also Thought Bubble, but this was like going to be her big first big U.S. con. And then the pandemic hit, and so right before she was supposed to go, it was canceled, understandably. And uh, this is uh, she then journaled the next six months, uh, a six month window of her life. And this, uh, this graphic novel, it's lonely at the center of the earth is that brought to life visually. Uh, and it is just, it knocked me on my ass. Like it was, I, I, I couldn't believe, I, I think it's a masterpiece visually. Like, and again, like if it, it is a very sad, depressing book in a lot of ways and there, there are light moments too but 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 in essence we're really getting a look at zoe's deepest darkest insecurities and issues um and, and i will say that to her credit uh she's very good at making fun of herself and you know humor is subjective i found her moments of humor to be hilarious like i think like her her worldview clicked with me um, I get, I get if it, if it wouldn't for other people, cause it's such a subjective thing, but, but, but putting aside whether or not you have the stomach for reading about someone else's trauma and, and anxiety, um, I just, I, I couldn't believe how accomplished her artwork is. Um, and I know Vince is always cringing when I bring up age and that I shouldn't bring up age and I get that. So I'll try not to. So regardless of her age, I, I think she is a fully formed artistic demigod and the fact that she's only in her early 20s is exciting not because of the age but because it means we hopefully have many decades more of her telling stories that's nice put it that way yeah there you go uh now i know dap bristled at me suggesting he isn't also riding that zoe zoe thurgood train we haven't talked about this book together um Yet I don't know what you thought of it, so I really am sitting here hoping that you loved it too, because I'll be mad, mad, disgruntled if you didn't. <sighs> this is the last episode. The uh, oh no, oh no, no. This was um, it, I. It's it's absolutely riveting. I there's nothing you. I can't imagine anybody reading this and not feeling something she puts everything on the yeah. page and and there's no way like it, it you're going to feel uncomfortable you're going to chuckle you're going to hopefully be happy at at times but i i know i know people particularly females i know people like zoe so it, it, it nothing i was reading in this where i felt like 
this is being exaggerated and and you know she's just it, it's it's she's trying to sell the story and there's no i there are people like this in the world obviously and 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 it's it breaks my heart that um regardless of of their age or or their sexual orientation that you know somebody feels this way and 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 there are there are people that i i i want to help them and 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 there isn't anything you know you could do whether they want help or not but it it's just it's there were times where i was reading this and and, and getting to some of it especially you know she the fact that she just flew to america to hang out with a dude for 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 a few days and and they're just and and the the the, the drama and you drama know, that Martin happened know that. that dude is by the way i you know i have because he's an artist and i, I oh. have you tried to google it I, I I I haven't I haven't yet. I haven't either. Uh, it, but and and uh, it is worth noting that uh, the aforementioned Jeff Lemire is in this book. Which one was he? He's Jeff. He's the one that gives her the talk at the dinner. Invites her okay. To the dinner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. there's also the one where uh, the the one creator who comes up. And, what do you mean unfortunate? It's not unfortunate. Oh she no no it's the, it she no he right. she uses his name. I mean she I don't think she's she's yeah. not like hiding she hid her lover i think probably for obvious reasons but the rest of the like yeah. the, the, she doesn't hide it it's it's well, when she, yeah when she goes out to the image dinner and oh, yeah. make sure you thank everybody um no there there's uh it, it's it's the, and 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 yeah I'll, I'll i'll give you props because as i'm reading it i'm i'm also thinking about understanding comics and and you know the, just the fact that um and and even um what the hell was that? It's rare, rare bit fiends. They're just like that, that whole stream of consciousness, those, those, those dreamlike books where you just, Oh, I just had a dream. I got to jot it down. And, and, uh, it, they were, it just, I love the fact that everything she was feeling for the past couple of years are, are, are on the page here. And, and, you know, warts and all, doesn't matter. You know, she's not trying to, there, there are parts of it that are just that, that you could, somebody might, Depending on how sensitive you might be, or just you know, might feel downright disgusted by the fact that you know she put some of these things in the book, and but it's it's life, it, it, it's yeah. her life. But I mean, these are things that happen to people, and um, it's 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 crazy. It's almost like it's almost like she's doing it backwards. Like this is the kind of book somebody would write towards the end of maybe you know their their, yep. their twilight years in their career, and it's like and, and this is like you know your second big book, and it, it, and it's it's just. It's it, it it reminds me a little bit. I'm not, and I'm not going to compare. If you like this, then you, I it just as I'm reading this, I'm thinking about you know, Excel Noir's book and 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 the stories that she tells with mm-hmm, those characters sure. and how some of especially with the secret passages how, how that was that was their life growing up and or, or what it was perceived to be their life and it's it's whereas this is a bit more autobiographical than secret passages it it's um but it's just it's it's that it's kind of it, it it's we're in that era where you know it, it, strong independent women are, are are telling their stories and um and as young as they are too but it it's the, the, the this was this was phenomenal it, it absolutely is it's it, yeah uh, the, the masterpiece is close as 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 i think anything could be and it's just it's whether it's you know pen and ink and color and and at photo fumetti type stuff there's just it's some of it was there are times where i was like anybody else i would have like 
call them lazy or uh, looking to take shortcuts by using, you know, anthropomorph- anthropomorphic characters or or the stick figures or or the bald heads and just, you know, because of how she's perceiving herself. And but it, it all everything serves a purpose. There's um, yeah, that's there's, the thing. Exactly. Everything serves a purpose. And yet, like, it's yeah. so varied. And you just said it like she she you, you pick an art style that, that is commonly associated with comics and she does it all here. I mean, there's there's and and, and she 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 just. And I, I, I say it seems like she effortlessly I, I think she would probably cringe at that, I'm guessing, based on what we've seen of her life and her like I don't think she views it as effortless, but it seems on the page effortless in her ability to transition from from, like you said, uh, you know, pencils to a ton of cross hatching to just you know classic thick black line to color to you know, to looks like crayon to Fumetti. It's just I, I and 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 it all seemed to fit in the narrative of her very busy and very frenetic mind. And I just, uh, um, I, I just, I, it's hard for me to believe that, that, uh, that, uh, someone who's, who's been making comics for, for such a little time is capable of this. And, uh, and she, yeah, the, the style, it, I, the impending blindness is referenced I, all of her work, whether it's rain, everything she, she definitely has, she can kind of switch things up a bit, which is absolutely phenomenal. And, and especially somebody, like at, at this age, at this stage in their career, having this ability, um, I, there was—I mean, it, there, there's one line where it, it, there's like Neil Gaiman makes an appearance in her head, but there's just—it's—it's it, it's like that's what art is to me. It's just something that like I, I wrote that down. Like there was there's one page, there's a panel where 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 there's a quote where that's quoted, and and I just there's yeah I. You can't read this and not and not walk away untouched. What did you think, Vince? Oh, I think it plays out like a conversation held in confidence. Like she's it's a one on one between her and whoever opens the book where she's just um completely trusting of the entity on the other end to the point where she's just revealing everything about herself and uh it's it's almost the inverse of you know how do you get rid of stage fright well you picture the audience naked well in this instance she's the naked one up on the stage and everybody else has clothes on like Mm -hmm. there's really nothing withheld and that is damn scary for anyone not not only an artist right to just reveal all these things uh, all these little little shards that make up, you know, who she is. Um, some of them are are are, are not exactly um, uh, well. They're scary, right? And they're they, they're concerning, and and the, it, it's it's we all wear masks, right? And we we play parts and and we act the roles we think we should be acting, but I don't see a lot of that here. It just seems like this is me. Warts and all was mentioned, and mm-hmm. my, my flaws, my foibles, my 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 dangerous habits, uh, my dark alleys, all that stuff. And th- the process, there's an air of surrealism to it, where it's like the process becomes part of the narrative at a lot of points, where in terms of writing and and illustrating 
the mechanics of doing those things become part of the structure of the narrative and it's it's nuts it's 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 totally uh you'll be steamrolled by this book whatever you're expecting it it will go far uh, above whatever preconceived notions you may have about this thing yeah, I mean, like you guys are saying, it it it's it's it is a book where you read it and you feel uncomfortable because you feel like you're almost a voyeur in in her personal journal, right? It's like you're like I shouldn't be like I shouldn't be seeing this, right? Like, this like, is like, like in confidence, right? Yeah, and yet uh, obviously she wants us to. Yeah, like we're a therapist. Yeah, it's it's remarkable stuff. It really is. I um, yeah, I just I feel very privileged that we that we got this and. Uh, you, you, I know you. You know, Dap. We were joking before because I was giving you brief that it was on your list and I hadn't read it yet. But um, I haven't read the impending blindness of Billy Scott yet, so um, so I have nothing to say on it. But I'm excited to, especially after reading this. Uh, but I, I know you've already read it, so I, 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 I my, my understanding of it, it, just paging through it when I when it arrived the other day, is just it's it's um it, it is not as um visually diverse. Like, right. like it's it's it is more of like one style, and and it's great. It looks great. I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it. But it 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 this it doesn't seem like it's 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 taking the visual chances or going. It, it's not as expansive of a palette of choices like 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 uh, like it's lonely is. But uh, but but nevertheless, I presume you 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 recommend it highly. I do. Yeah. It's um, it's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's uh, it it basically it just kind of covers. Uh, the bulk of the book just covers the course of like maybe maybe two weeks, um, and it's it's another one that kind of kicks you in the gut a bit, and and you know you definitely feel for the main character, uh, but um, there's there's still some there's glimmers of hope. There's 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 some tender, nice moments uh, in in Billy Scott as well. Um, and that's and that's another thing. She's Zoe's only as as great as her art is. She's a solid writer, and that's only going to get better. As as this was again, it's lonely. Is kind of uh, as if somebody just spilling their guts to to somebody that you know they should be talking to. Impending blindness is. Uh, is is more of a just a linear story where she's basically you know telling this this one girl's one one woman's uh journey uh after an unfortunate instance and and uh and how it goes from there and it's it's it is it's it, it's a really really um entertaining reading it was another one where you know once once i started and uh and it got into a groove i just i i couldn't didn't want to stop but i couldn't stop and uh i was definitely um i think i i i let out an audible awe when 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 i got to to one part towards the end but there's it it's it there's there's something about this young lady that uh i'm i'm a fan now especially especially if she's writing the work she's drawing, like I know she did rain. I don't believe she wrote that. And, and, but, um, no, she's, she's had, she's had quite a bit of published work so far. Um, but the stuff that, that she's writing and drawing, I will absolutely be here for, for here on out. It, it's, 
It's amazing, and, and even like the the uh, the thought bubble uh, sections where you know she's nervous about you know the, the fans coming up and talking about her the impending blindness being relatable and uh, you know, the 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 shy fans coming up asking for things to be signed and and uh, it, it's we've seen that at 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 cons we we, we know what the creators go through but um, I think knowing what know any other works you've read from other creators I, I i think you'll dig billy scott yeah not for anything both of you said fumetti photo comics aren't fumetti that is stan no that's that's fine right no 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 that's i don't fair. i, I wasn't right. trying to Enough. i wasn't trying to be a no i know to shortcut it just to just, those who are listening fumetti is italian for comics right and yeah. uh stan used that term for the things, the photo manipulated images right. that Marvel was doing and stuff like crazy back in the day, and the the bullpen pages where Stan would be talking to an artist or a writer um, with with word balloons overlaid, he called that fumetti. But it's it's really. But to his, I guess, to his credit, the term stuck. So it's not incorrect to say fumetti for photo manipulated images in sequential form, but mm-hmm. it's it really that's because of Stan that that works. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's yeah. worth clarifying. Yeah, but yeah. So another thing he stole, but whatever. Oh, but, here we go. We've <laughs> been having such a nice episode. Yeah, we have oh. such a good time. He had a shit in my Cheerios. All right, everybody. Hey. Uh, we thank you for being here with us one more time. We hope you come back next time where it'll be different but the same. And uh, in the meantime, give it up for Ray uh, and our patrons because they make this happen. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Check it out. We would love to open the door for you. Come on, join the family. Speaking of that, by the way, before you, uh, it's we are we need to give a couple shout-outs. We'll do them. Um, Freddie Schillinger, <laughs> our newest uh, our newest inner circle member who joined uh, this week. Uh, Jason Kim and Kevin O'Buckley, who joined uh, a month or two back, and we just haven't given them their uh, their due yet on the episode. So I wanted to make sure we did that. Excellent, excellent. Well, I got to give another family member a shout out. Uh, our boy Davin, because uh, this In Your Travels would not be possible were it not for he, because I was gifted a copy of Hand-Drawn Thought Photography by Mr. Noah Pierce. It's a, a, a little bigger than a digest-sized, thick-ass paperback, 235 pages, uh, with a beautiful textured cover. What is it? Well... Uh, hand-drawn thought photography is uh, very much akin to a graphic interpretation of someone's social media accounts. And you're like, what? Well, in in social media, uh, we see it every day. Um, There are, you know, there's much introspection, uh, a lot of self-loathing, uh, a lot of moments where things said uh, the perpetrator wishes they weren't said. Uh, social commentary, political commentary, right? Um, 
thankfully, Mr. Pierce leans very far to the left. Um, this book is all that and more. All of the uh, the text, uh, there's a good amount of it, is uh, hand-lettered in the old uh, weirdo uh, style. But it's just jam-packed with images. Wall-to-wall. Like, for example, there's a, a, an image of him look, uh, staring at himself in the mirror, right? And the reflection is um, buff, and his uh, member is huge, right? Mm-hmm. And the, re- the real world is he smells... Uh, there's bugs flying around him. He's got a little tiny peepee, and he's there's there's like feces coming out of his ass. And he says, "Is it possible I'm not as attractive as I think I am?" <laughs> um, there's a, a strip called "Testicles Say the Darndest Things," where he approaches a woman with glasses, and he's like, "Hi," uh, and the testicle says, "Tell her you want to come on her glasses." <laughs> and, then, and then the 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 last panel says, "I uh, I'll just leave you alone." <laughs> but uh, there's uh, pastiches on pop culture. There's a take off on uh, the shredder in here called the spreader. And I will leave it to you to discern why he's called that. But uh, there's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pastiche. There's a lot of cartoons about Trump. A lot. Um, justifiably so, right? Um, and wherever, uh, it, it seems to me that wherever Trump goes, uh, anthropomorphic pigs wearing swastikas are n- not far behind. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could read you a bunch from them, but... Uh, there's one image where he says, I need Gojo for my dojo. And he's, he's in, uh, you know, the appropriate attire and he's got a wrench in his hand and it's bless this shithole. Like it's very, uh, the humor is self-deprecating in a lot of, uh, instances. Um, Trump is all dressed up in black metal regalia and, uh, it says power abuser and he's got a megaphone and he's screaming. My penis is perfectly normal size. Uh, it's just like, you know, so it's it's an unvarnished glimpse into the mind of uh, Noah Pierce, and I thought it was it was wonderful. Um, so you may be asking, well, what, what's his style like? So so picture, it's a little bit Mike Diana, it's a little bit Johnny Ryan, uh, a smattering of Rory Hayes. Like it's 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 rough hewn, um, immediate. Uh, the idea is is preeminent, and the drawing is um, they're great drawings, uh, but they're it's very low key, unvarnished. Um, <laughs> oh boy, um, yeah, I can't tell you about that one. <laughs> it's the, the remember that line that I I always talk about the delineation between good and bad taste. Well, <laughs> a lot of this stuff just leaps into the next county. Um, uh, so if if you like uh, honesty and and truth as it applies to uh, the creative people, uh, you um, okay? Here's two. 
There's two images. They're relatively uh, early in the book. There's an, uh, a gray, an alien gray, that's jerking his, his massive dick, and it has teeth <laughs> in it, and it says, I came to come. And then there's a female one on the on the opposite page. The 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 lettering for the the male is like horror themed lettering, like it's drippy and and you know as you would see in maybe a low budget horror film. Uh, but the the female one is all elegant and and cursive, and she's got her legs spread and and she's ejaculating, and there's a rocket ship in it. <laughs> it's, it's it's just wonderful stuff. Uh, so I got to, th- it is, it really is. I got to thank Davin because this book is freaking great. Uh, hand-drawn thought photography. Isn't that a wonderful way of, of uh, stating it, cartooning? I think it, I'm going to appropriate yeah. that. Yes. Hand-drawn thought photography. Uh, and he's one, at one panel, he's, oh boy, he's pleading for someone to tell him that he exists. Isn't that all what we all want? Just yes. to be acknowledged yes. as, as being... Uh, Extant. So here we go. Hand-drawn thought photography by Noah Pierce from, uh, it was a little hard, or difficult, I should say, to discern the name of the book company, but it's uh, Dakota Ring Book Company. And this is a 2021 volume. It looks like it was published in 2022, though, uh, if you believe the inside front cover. So there's two dates here. 2021, 2022. I'm going with 22. Mm-hmm. Get it. It's wonderful. Nice. Well, shout out to Davin as well. He he's he just underwent a massive career change, and he seems very happy for it. Yep. That's awesome. There's a, a pastiche on the Don't Tread on Me image. And it's oh, a, I love it when they mock those. It's a dick. The, a coiled dick with, <laughs> with Band-Aids on it. And it says, tread on me in stilettos. That's funny. It is. That's like awesome. I'm saying, it is funny. The whole, but it's, it's, it's acerbic and it's, it's, a lot of it is very dark, dark humor, but. Sure. Yeah. It's, I think it's wonderful. Like, we all love is, the dark humor. This is the gas that, that fills my tank. So thank you, Davin. Nice. Um, in your travels, uh, this is, um. This is probably the only time this will, um, I don't see us getting a sequel. Um, many years ago, uh, for B. Sapolsky, writer of uh, Spider-Man Noir and um, One Hit Wonder, a couple other things, he, uh, Fabrice is um, CEO and publisher of Fair Square Comics, that publishing company. Um, but a long time ago, he and the late Tom Lyle worked on a project together called black box. And, um, they were going to revisit it right before Tom unexpectedly passed away. And I'm glad I got to shake Tom's hand a couple of times. I met him for the first time at heroes one year. He was also at New York. I grabbed some, Starman issues, the Will Payton series from uh, upstairs at the dealer room, ran back downstairs so he could sign them. He's always had a smile. Um, very tall man, uh, imposing, but he, he was he also taught at um, at SCAD. He was an instructor that a lot of folks at Heroes 
have had. And um, like Mike Ringo, like I don't think anybody could ever say anything bad about Tom Lyle. And uh, a co-creator of the Scarlet Spider look for Spider-Man during the Clone Saga, um, worked on Venom, worked on the Robin, Tim Drake Robin miniseries. He's, he's, he's done a lot. And because he was in the 90s, after a while, you get the uh, right before the Image Founders moved on to Image. There was that there was a change in style, and and I guess Tom's style was uh, like you know Herb Trimming before him a little outdated, so wasn't really getting much big two work done. So he decided to go teach, did some other things, but um, this particular story it's kind of weird. Um, I bought it solely because tom lyle worked on it and it looks a little different than some of times other earlier work doesn't really look like the robin stuff um whether that could be the colors by uh sebastian uh limerand i don't know but um it's not the strong tom lyle look that, that that i'm used to seeing it still looks great but basically what the story's about um and, and this looks like, I guess it was originally probably published as, as three issues. And, and this is kind of like the first arc. Um, but there's a uh, the reason it's called the Black Box is that uh, back in 1801, the, uh, the president received a gift from, uh, from France. And uh, it's just, it looks like a large almost like a music box. Um, after it's dropped off and delivered to the president, we then jump to present day and we're introduced to Ulysses Troy. Um, Yuli is what he tends to go by for the rest of the book. But he, uh, he works at a warehouse where they, um, they scan and store like all the gifts that the presidents have received. Um, over the years and of course it's a very secret location and you know no electronic devices in or out nothing can you know be photographed or borrowed it's not a lending library um but the place is massive and you know books tchotchkes whatever anybody any other dignitaries any any anybody sent as given to the president over the years is uh is kept here but there's this something odd there's like a voice calling out to Ulysses and uh, he eventually finds the, uh, the crate that the sound is coming from, opens it up and there's a desk size like music box that he sees inside. And, and, uh, and he, he's fragmented sentences are being repeated and uh, he's, he's just completely befuddled um but the voice does sound vaguely familiar he reaches out to a uh to a reporter tanya yen and um and she she they meet and he's explaining to her what you know what it is what he's seen um she decides to enlist eduardo we don't get a last name i i've checked many times as I, after i read it and can't find one um but eduardo he's kind of really he's an audiophile he's a sound engineer 
knows what's up. Um, there is there's, there's a because he's friends he's friendly with with the security guard. Um, Ulysses decides to like smuggle in his uh, the recorder so this way he can record the sound from the uh, from the box and uh, gets it to um, gets it to Eduardo and it sounds like uh, sounds like Nixon. It, it's it's a uh, it's a conversation between uh, Nixon and uh, and Chuck Colson. And um, the hijinks ensue because you can't just extract. Uh, you can't, you know, not stealing, but you know, you kind of broke the rules by bringing in a recording device and 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 uh, telling people about what the hell's going on inside this warehouse. Um, it it goes on a bit of a. Uh, of a roller coaster. There's a, a little bit of national treasure and, and, and a little, a little bit of mission impossible. There's a bunch of things going on here. It's, it's, um, it was, it's, it's a cute, quirky at times, uh, story. There's, uh, um, turns out that the French were you know, basically spying on America via the, the, the Oval Office. And, um, and and then the, the the third chapter goes in a completely crazy direction um, that uh, I don't really want to um, shortchange by just you know, blurting out how, how how crazy we get uh, with a um, with with an older gentleman who um, apparently. Eisenhower kind of adopted him, but uh, had to kind of shelter him and keep him away. And and as this child grew up, um, completely uh, left neglected. He, he was tended to, cared for, and and food was delivered. And he never had to leave this 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 house, but um, had no idea what the hell was going on on the outside world and at some point the um the items stopped coming and and uh, it, it it just kind of like i said it, it gets a little weird kind of stray from the whole black box of uh ness of the of the story um as if fabrice was uh planting seeds for future stories and 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 uh, extending the plot to on a couple things and 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 fleshing out some of the characters so they it's it's more of a it's not an ash can but it's basically the the thing of the sign of things that could have happened had uh had he and uh tom could, were able to continue to work on it but um i said if if you are a tom lyle fan then uh then i think you'd, you'd enjoy this because it is pretty much one of the, one of the last things he worked on um and was planning on going back to it to to continue continue the story, but um, it's the second of the classified series that uh, Fair Square is putting out. The first one was uh, the Jaeger book that uh, good friend Ibrahim Mustafa had uh, had done last year earlier in the year. But um, yeah, it, I as a Tom Law fan, I dug it. Um, it's uh, it's a short collection 
and and said that there are things here that I'd like to see. Would have been nice to see continue, but uh, as a as, as an experiment, I kind of dug it. But yeah, in your travels, classified the black box from uh, Fair Square. Well done. Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, in your travels, uh, some of you may know the name Jake Parker. We've mentioned him a few times over the years. Probably ah, yes. best known for being the creator of Inktober way back in 2009. Uh, yes, someone actually created that. I know that there's been a lot of uh, uh, controversy since, but uh, Jake's a good dude. He's um, uh, met him a Amber few times boy. at the cons. What's that? Yep. Amber oh. boy. So that's all right. And um, uh, buddy of Scotty's, that's how I met him. But uh, he has, he is a pretty frequent crowd, you know, he does crowdfunding for his projects and I've backed a bunch of them. And his latest one, I think, is his best yet. Um, and that is Kepler's Intergalactic Guide to Spaceships. Uh, it was a Kickstarter, but um, fortunately, uh, you know, a lot of these Kickstarters, it's like they're great. We tell you about them and then we don't know. Uh, how you're supposed to go and buy them if you didn't do the Kickstarter. Uh, but in this case, Jake is a very savvy uh, internet uh, entrepreneur. So you can get this book if you didn't do the Kickstarter uh, at uh, Jake's website, which is shop dot Mr. Jake Parker, Mr. Jake Parker dot com. Um, it is uh, Jake has done a bunch of art books over the years that he calls the drawings books. Um, and there if you've ever bought a, a, a well produced sort of uh, uh, art book, you, you know what you're getting there. You get processed. There's everything from like raw drawings to completely finished works, usually thematic. Um, in this case, where I think it's it's his best effort yet, it is another uh, of his art books, but he wraps a narrative around it. And it's relatively simple. Basically, um, uh, a character is um, – their spaceship gets gaffled and – brings it to port to a buddy who can fix spaceships and says, I need this fixed with the quickness. And that buddy is effectively the narrator for the book. And he goes around the uh, planet trying to locate the requisite parts to fix his friend's ship. And that is uh, the structure to allow us to take a walk through uh, Jake's creative mind of, uh, of, of his world of spaceships. And we, we get dozens and dozens of, uh, fully rendered, really cool spaceships. Um, he breaks it out into like different categories. There's like your bulk freight carriers. You got your fast, like your your like intergalactic, like 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 jumpers, and and it just each section is is a different type of ship where you get a little explanation of the type of ship and what the purpose of them is, and then uh, a bunch of different versions of those ships. Um, you get some some of the the fun really intricate cutaway renderings of a few of the ships that um, are, are, I think, uh, tantamount to any kind of good source book or guidebook. Uh, and the other fun thing is if you are uh, a frequenter of Jake's work, you get a lot of cameos, both both in terms of ships, but also characters from his, uh, his different works. Um, like he has a, a mouse character that was in one of his books that's in this. He's got a, a book called Space Punks where... Um, there was like uh, a couple different like uh, space pirate type characters that are in this book, uh, and we see their ships. So just really well done, well put together. It's 128 pages, a couple hundred drawings, full color. Um, it's I think eight eight by ten, maybe just a little less than eight by ten, hardcover trim. Um, 
I had a lot of fun with it. And I would say that um, I was a little, um, a little nostalgic for, I wish this book had come out five, six years ago when my kids were younger, because this is just a perfect all ages book. I mean, my, the younger version of my kids would have gobbled this book up. Um, you know, not sure angsty teenage versions of my kids would care too much about it, but, uh, but it's a lot of fun. So those of you that listen to the show that have younger kids that really love the all ages stuff and, you know, maybe into the star Wars or just generally space sci-fi, this book is perfect for that. So, uh, it's, I think $29 full price. And I assume it would be full price on Jake's site, uh, but um, but yeah, definitely worth it. Worth it for sure. So, uh, Kepler's Intergalactic Guide to Spaceships looks really cool. It, it does, is real, yeah. it is real cool. Yeah, it's it's you yeah, know I don't I, I think I I didn't back it either because I just missed it or there was something else going on. But I do remember seeing it because I remember getting all the emails about everybody else who backed it. Um, but yeah, look, looking at the website, yeah, it's seven and a half by uh, nine and three quarters. There you go, yeah. Uh, I didn't know it was a soft cover. I thought it was a hard cover, actually. But um, it does, it, it does look great. I like Jake Stott a lot, but oh yeah, yeah. and and yeah. because of the whole spaceship thing, it really kind of was right up my alley. I I, I got it. Oh, you it. would love this. I mean, you know, given like you collect those, you know, the uh, the, the, the Eagle Moss stuff, yeah, Eagle Moss Star Trek ships. Yeah, this is totally up your alley. So. Well, listen. We see Jake at, at at cons usually. I mean, he usually does. He usually does New York. He didn't do this past one, but um, so uh, so I'm sure he'll have it for sale at the at a con soon soon enough. You're right. Neato. Okay, everybody. Once again, we thank you for being here. Hope you come back. We'll have some sandwiches and some drinks waiting Ooh. for you. Yeah, I love some sandwiches. Crudite. Little crudite. Oh, I love me a crudite. Love crudite. it. So you know, the, you know the drill. Go buy some comics, read them, love them. Do the same thing with your loved ones, but don't read them because they'll kind of get mad. And uh, return, do the do. Say goodnight. You did it! Congratulations! We're the best cup of coffee. Great job, everybody. It's great to meet you. I got cut off at the end. David. Good night. Congratulations. (laughs) You did it. (laughs) Yeah. Vinny Uh, ranked his favorite um, Christmas movies. He made a list. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Elf's number one. It's got to be. Yep. Home Alone's number two. David uh, Hart wouldn't even be in my top twenty. Yeah, no. really. Can't stand that movie. Walk out of the theater. Oh, oh my god! Get out of here. Yep. <sighs> Eight years old, waiting in the lobby for mom and dad to come out. Nah, dude. It was in high, it was in high school when I came out. Oh, okay. Okay. How could you not like Home Alone? <laughs> Literally, my buddy cousin Bear and I, the, the the war machine, my boy cousin Bear, the the one who's soon to retire from uh, a an illustrious career in the. Uh, in the army, uh, yeah, we went to see it uh, as as we were wont to do back in high school when you didn't have much to do. You went to the movies, and uh, the whole theater is laughing hysterically, and we're looking at each other like, "The fuck, are these people laughing at us? This is corny." And we walked out. There he is. How Which much is number three though? What's his number three? I think it's 
the Santa Claus? No, 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 no. I'm wrong. It's the Grinch. Okay. The, the Grinch is number three. I think the Santa Claus may be number four. Oh, God. With the Tim Allen? Yeah, he likes that oh, movie a I lot. I can't have that. I don't like that either. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't. Santa Claus 2 is pretty good. Oof. But I, I don't like... I'm not crazy about one. <laughs> Lordy but Gordy. Well, Julia... He started off strong. No, Julia is in... The in, in it, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Love, love her. All right, everybody. We're out of here. Remember, sandwiches. Come back next time. <laughs> Say, tell them you love them so much. Yeah, I do. Uh, at least like ninety-two point three percent of them. There always has to be a conceit. Uh, like, yeah, why? well, you know, listen, I got to keep it one hundred. We're not, we're an honest show. I, you know, I love most of them. Mm-hmm. They know who they are. Well, yeah. I love all of you. You don't though, but you can pretend you do. <laughs> How do you know what's going on in my head? I mean, what? How long have we been doing this? You're like my adopted like brother. You've like never, you've you've never. Like, <laughs> All right, we're done. See ya. Bye. Uh huh. There we go. Right. You're like my, you know, my touched older brother. Love the last part. Not too crazy about the first part of that. Oh shit. That's it for that one.